When the politicians keep politicking Before you turn to excessive drinking Spend some time collectively politinkering With the show where I don't know man Cause the truth is I don't know man I just, I don't know man Vocal harmonies in that were fucking great. In hindsight, it's a little too long. Thanks to these bros. I don't give a shit. Honestly, I was thinking about it. And like, as a listener, that's a very enjoyable song to sit through. Like, I, I think the length is fine. Okay. Joey, get your hind out of my sight. Yeah. Damn. And it's an overture, you know? It's letting you know how fun these next few minutes are going to be. It's going to be super fun. <laughs> yeah. Speaking of which, hello, everybody, and welcome back to Politinkering. It's been uh, quite some time, years, in fact, but uh, we are back on the air or in the air or in the spaces and whatnot. Ooh. I'm your host, Sean Faw. Joining me as always is Mr. Joseph Bonnier. Hello. And we also have Mr. Derek Laporte. Oh, that's me. That is you. And oh. Mr. Tim Snow. For the first time ever on Paula Tinkering. Yeah. I am so excited to be here. Thank you so much, guys, for inviting me. I appreciate <laughs> you guys bringing me on. Yeah. Did we invite I'm happy you? to be here. Yeah. Well, he just kind of didn't he leave just, after the last podcast. Yeah. So. <laughs> no, we do all these on separate occasions. <laughs> Uh, they know that's a lie. In yeah. separate locations. So All right. There's uh, how's this how's this one work? How do we do this? Yeah, how, how do we do what? I, I don't, don't remember. How, yeah. how does one pilot tank? I think you say what has happened and like there, there's usually a person who has an order for things. Uh not today. But there is not today. Okay, <laughs> so has any order. Can anybody? So it's been a couple of years since the last episode of Paul Tinkering. Is that correct, John? That is. Uh, can anybody uh, bring me up? <laughs> to speak? up. Can anybody give me what just happened? a ten-second blurb, perhaps, of what's happened in the last two wars? <laughs> several years. Two wars. Uh, let's see. Russia impeachment. A uh, long time on the campaign trail. Uh, uh, no collusion. Yeah, four, supposedly four years of uh, of a presidential campaign that ended in Joseph Biden being serenaded and everyone else just kind of mysteriously mm. dropping out right before we entered a pandemic. Poli yeah, yes. I was going to say politics are so <laughs> fucking weird these days that I haven't worked since March. <laughs> yes. uh, yep, yeah. pandemic. Um, yeah, that's kind of where we are now, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I guess so, yeah. you know. Huge. Major political division. You know, all caught up. Huge. Yeah. Huge. Huge. Definitely. Uh, protests. Lots of protests, of course. We don't yeah. need to yeah. that stuff. Too. Yeah, police brutality is still a thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. Been yeah. a thing, still a thing. More people are turning yeah, their well, eyes towards it now. Yeah. Folks Even are pretty pissed companies, about it. companies. Which is nice. Yeah. Well, Hopefully well, it keeps up. We're in... I don't know what, like the third wave of this. 
So, you know, you get your your initial outrage, which sparks the protests, mm-hmm. and then that devolves into riots, and then that simmers down a bit, and then we get into the, well, I guess then we had the statue taken down phase. That was a little while, and now we're into the corporatizing phase. So now we're, uh, you know, trying to, uh, I guess, whitewash all of our imagery and uh, uh, take down all of the... TV shows that have anything to do with anything. I don't think uh, whitewash is really <laughs> probably the best word. Um, I do actually. When we're talking about removing Aunt Jemima from the the cover of the pancakes, and we're talking about you know changing our corporate look and well, the idea being that we're trying to create an America that feels the same for everybody when they're walking down the street. People that don't have to stare at reminders that they used to be property every single day. I, I Oh, I totally get that. I'm just saying from a corporate perspective, it seems very jaded and conceited to me. And it seems uh, much more of a um, appeasement than it does anything that is actually a... Uh, a fundamental change in these corporations. This is something that is That's fair that, that they're forced to do as a show of um, solidarity when they may or may not have any feelings on the matter whatsoever. They see the tide turning, exactly. yeah, so yeah. to speak. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, I saw like something actually that just happened today. Of course, when people are listening to this, who knows? Be today, but. Today? Uh, uh, so they finally are going to change the Mississippi flag because, mm-hmm. you know, it's got a Confederate flag as part of it. What and, um, are they going to do the Georgia flag? Uh, I have not seen anything about that. This is, this is super blatant though. This is like, is it, look, this, this one is literally the rebel flag is part of their flag. Hey, Which one? Yeah, Mississippi? Uh, Sean? Mississippi? Hmm? What are you doing? He, he wants to see their flag. He is. Oh. You, uh, yeah. What you do is you type in the state's name, Tim, and then you write a flag after There's it. That's a big M-R-S-S-I, word. M-R-S-S-I-S-S-I-P-P-I. You never learned how to spell Mississippi? It's like a yeah. rite of passage I'll as a shut kid. up, I'm typing. <laughs> yeah, so for our, our uh, non-visual oh, listeners, boy. we That's have a, uh, yeah. a three-striped flag with a blue, a white, and a red stripe. And then uh, in the upper left-hand corner, it's just pretty much a full fucking uh, uh, Confederate flag there. Yeah. It is, and, Stars and, and, bars. and the thing is, is that uh, I believe the population of that state is uh, like something like- 2.3 million? Uh, oh, no, that's that's proportion that's, of the flag. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Trump. Isn't that something Trump did? <laughs> Wouldn't doubt it. But uh, yeah, no, I, I, I believe it's either a third, I think it's a third African-American or something like that in the state of Mississippi, somewhere close to that. I um, think it does have the highest, it's something like the highest percentage of Africans. It's a high percentage, yeah. yeah. And uh, it's, it's, it's about time. I mean, I, you know, there's a whole history of the reason why it was put uh, in, in there because actually it was done, uh, I think it was done, we're talking early night, 1800s, if I'm not mistaken, they changed the flag to its present day version. That's um, when most of that new wave uh, that racism new wave, came. <laughs> that, and it and it was very much a part of that. So this is something that, of course, you know, like uh, uh, hmm. it 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 makes sense. Any anyway, if anybody's arguing, which I'm sure there's some people out there who are arguing historical things, it hasn't even historically been that way. 
you know, oh, for yeah, yeah. the bulk of time. So, well, they were trying to create a birth of a, you know, a nation. A birth of a Jesus. nation. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> oh my god. Wrong show, man. This isn't how you would break down. Why I can't make a joke. Oh, film jokes? That's okay. Film jokes. Trying to That's a, a movie, guys. <laughs> <laughs> Been good. Yeah. I appreciate it. Uh, so if you're unaware, uh, we do have another show called Celluloid Breakdown. Uh, hop on over there In and fact, check out our movie uh, reviews. If I'm not wrong, Sean, there are many programs available from Fawcast Studios. Is there that, certainly are. Is that correct? Yeah. We've got uh, I, literally am, literary. Am, am, am I wrong in this? Going down on South Park. Text before calling this show, Pilot Anchoring, and then Celluloid Breakdown. Oh, we also have Wild Wild Westworld, but we gave up on that because Westworld really sucked after the first season. Yeah, the first episode was pretty bad. Stopped yeah. watching. Uh, first first episode of first season? Yeah. Well, first episode. Yeah. First season. I, I watched the whole first season. Yeah. First season is good, I think, but beyond Sorry. that, it gets, yeah. Either way. Um, so kind of off of that, what do you... Um, I guess working back in time a little bit, um, what do you guys think about the the m- more recent iteration of pulling down the statues? Um, is is that something that is um, are 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 the protesters or rioters, whatever your perspective is, are they in the right for taking it into their own hands for just pulling those statues down, or should they go through the democratic process of? you know, going through the chain of command and actually voting to take these things down and putting them in museums. Do do you think that democratic process really works? Sometimes it does. Do you think it's worked for them? Well, probably not in the past, but recently it has. Or at least a couple examples. Um, I think now that we've reached our boiling point. Yeah, the example he just gave about Mississippi's flag is one, but I think there's others. I think uh, Richmond had one. I think they did. But you're right. It's definitely few and far between, and it's definitely only now. Yeah. But um, I think the deal is, the answer to your question is I would say, yes, they do have a right, and I understand it, one. But two, I think what happens when they do it with a riot is the government puts it back up. You know, they clean it, put it back up. But when they do it, you know, obviously take it down legally, it's 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 more of a powerful message, I think. Um, do you think that's happening though? Or are you seeing these statues go back up in the next month or two? If they were just taken down like randomly by a rioter, like just pulled down by a rope, I bet like the government will probably put it back up eventually. It depends which one. I think the, I, I can't say because it really goes all by being one by taken one. down administratively. Some of them if are. If not in reaction to the uh, vandalism of the statue. Well, it's that's the thing. It's not. There's not one decision made unilaterally. It's not a federal yeah. decision. Yeah, it goes by so the municipality. Yeah, every single town, every single mayor is making their own decisions. So, what do you guys think should be done? Should they put those statues back up? If you were the mayor of a town well, and they started, well, which one? Sean? So. Um, well, we'll, we'll start with the most egregious, the, you know, the slave owners, the, the ones that are, uh, you know, Confederate general. Yeah. We're, we're, the, you're Robert E. Lee. You are the mayor of a town what with is, a Robert E. Lee statue that the, has just been torn down. What is what the do you purpose do? of a statue? What is the point? To glorify? Exactly. Because well, you're trying to commemorate something and certainly. you're trying to portray it in a heroic way. So you cast it in bronze or stone. Mm-hmm. There aren't any statues to Hitler. And I think it's because he was a fucking prick. And I think that all the statues that we have to people that were historically fucking pricks, and we know this now, they no longer have a place in our society. We should not be glorifying those people. 
Well, and if we are, why? What does that say about us? There's a couple of arguments there. I, I'm not going to say that I agree with any of them, but the first off, there's the idea that we are not not all statues are maintained for glory. So you might erect it for glory, but you might maintain it to maintain the knowledge of that history so that we don't repeat that history. Uh, when people make the the comparison to the Hitler statues not being there, that is also a different thing because they have decided as a country that they are completely erasing the history of the Nazis, essentially. They're, you know, it is illegal to, to declare yourself a Nazi or to, you know, uh, uh, to talk in any way that is pro-Nazi yep. in Germany. Mm. So they already have a strict, very strict ban on that. And that's a whole different thing, you know, whether you want to well, think about no the historical context. there's no statues to Mussolini in Italy either. And I don't think they have the same rules. Do you uh, guys think a statue and a monument are the same? Uh, See, I think of a monument as more of a glorification. A statue could, to I, me, be a... Honestly, it's a, it's a difference of scale to me. Okay. Oh, difference of scale. Yeah. Oh, interesting. Okay. Yeah, there's the Washington Monument, and then there's you know there's the Lincoln Memorial, which is not entirely dissimilar. But, mind, but then there's then there. there's the Statue of David. Okay, I but I, I don't think, think that has to be that way. Don't or you? the Statue of Columbus in Grant Park in Chicago. Well, yeah, I think of a memorial as a non-human figure, whereas a statue is either a human figure or, you know, a memorial could be kind of either. But the, the you yeah. know, you have the... A statue is a likeness. Yeah. Mostly, yeah. But then you have the Lincoln Memorial, which kind of throws a wrench in that works. But, but it's also a the, whole fucking building and other shit. That's true too. Yeah, it is a, <clears throat> a larger construct. But either way, getting back to that, then what is the... What is the answer? You are the mayor of this small town with the Robert E. Lee statue. It has just been torn down by a section of your voters, but you also know there's another large section of your voters that aren't necessarily in favor of that. Why am I choosing to be complicit in the celebration of a five-year insurrection to the country that I'm part of governing? Oh, I mean, certainly that's the, that's, Obviously, the Unless easy rationale for tearing down statues to perpetuate the goals of that insurrection. As as the mayor of this small town, it might just be that you know if you don't put this statue back up, you're not going to get reelected because it was a small portion of your town that t that took this action. And in this example, we can see how difficult and multifaceted systemic racism is, and how totally. hard it is to dismantle because it's actively actively against our own best interests to do so. Right. You know, it, it takes us disenfranchising ourselves to right the wrongs of this current system. And, you know, there's no way to package that as fun. You know, the first part, the first piece of the puzzle is your own heart. You know, I don't know what to do there other than say like, you got to do the work. I don't know. I think that's a, that's true, but I think that's separate from specifically the Confederacy. I think that well, that, the perpetuation of that idea. Yeah, I think that's in part our of society. It. I, is, I think they should separate themselves, hopefully, from it just completely. You know, they shouldn't have to hold Southern pride with the Confederacy. There should be so much more. It's all part of a dog whistle argument that makes it easier to hate something without saying you hate it. That's true. That's a good point. It's all part of this. I call it a do-nothing argument. But then what would you say to someone from the South who says, uh, you know, I'm proud of my culture? I call it, I call it a do-nothing argument. 
Um, I like to challenge people to see if their argument uh, is actively trying to keep the status quo the same way. Or if their argument is trying to change something well, or have have some sort of individual, I think that's no, it's really good. Honestly, you know, so I, 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 I hear so many in arguments. Of is the no, no, but I I do hear so many arguments that I I classify personally in my own head. I don't say this out loud too much, but it's it's all do nothing arguments because it's like, yeah, anything I need to say in order to not help anything change, anything I need to do or say in order to put no effort into what is clearly going on today. You know, so all of these arguments, their only real goal is to do nothing, you know? And so you can, you know, you can, you can make everything as complicated as you'd like it to be, you know, Oh, what about the Robert E. Lee statue in this town? And you know, you got your constituents here and da, 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 da. So what do you do? What do you do? You're begging me to say, do nothing, you know? I'm not saying no. There's and, and, there's and, and, other and, and, answers. And I'm man. so sorry. I, I'm not saying to you per, per, like in in particular. Mm-hmm. I'm just saying that I hear that so much. Right, and I guess and what it, what it, I'm getting at is, to me, that's the problem. Is that we have these two factions that are completely divided when things are much more nuanced. And there's not just one solution. There's mm-hmm. many ways that this can be handled. Certain things I don't think are very nuanced. All right. I'll give I you guys think, oh, hold on, I'm sorry. I'll give you guys a middle ground that has occurred and see how you think about yeah, this. Yeah, I don't think we're okay, as so, as you think. So there was a Robert Ely sculpture that's in Charlottesville, Virginia. Uh, the city council voted to remove it in 2017. Since February of 2018, they've had a black tarp over it. Obviously, it has that's not, not been that's removed. That's the very famous one. That's from the Charlottesville yeah. Mm. deal. Yeah. yeah so it has not been removed. Now, what do you think about that? I kind of like that. I kind of like that because it's it's embarrassing. It's like it's had a black it's public tarp shaming. Over it. It's yeah. kind of public shaming. I, I think I'll think it's as good as just removing it. But it's it's it's, it's, it's not because removing it is a permanent thing. Yeah. Putting a tarp over it seems like something that somebody does when they have to do something but don't want to. Well, it's yeah. a temporary reaction. It exactly. is what we're gonna do while we're trying to figure out what the fuck to do. So so many governmental concessions in this entire because we're talking about race right now. We're talking about the the power imbalance balance of race in our society. And so all of the governmental concessions of that to me have always felt like something that somebody does when they have to do something, but don't want to, you know? Yeah, it no, you feel like the people. Well, it th- depends what community. I, I I can't say for because certain communities maybe have majority black com- voters, and they maybe they are voted just voting this down because they hate these statues legitimately. Yeah. And maybe then there's not. It's not just black people. I mean, I think I think there's a lot of. Well, people I'm just who talking ter- about like the tarp versus like removing I agree. it. You no, know? I am too because I think I'm saying that specific communities will will just simply say not tarp take it down completely because I think this is a turning point issue. Honestly, I think that if we look on some of the numbers here, maybe I'll pull them up in a second. I would assume that there's a big, big change in the numbers. I would say if you ask people whether they think a Confederate statue should be up, I would say it's probably like 70% say should take it down. I would assume. I'll look, check the numbers, but I think it used to be maybe 50-50 and I think yeah. now it's like 70% or 80, I would assume. I'd be interested to hear I'll those check numbers. Them. Yeah, You guys can keep going, but- 
yeah, as far as I understand, those numbers are, you know, quite a bit more uh, positive or favorably taking down statues at this point. Yeah, that's kind of um, But, I mean, as far as the, the TARP is concerned, um, do you know why they haven't just taken it down yet? Yeah, and why I'm, it not, is just a tarp? I'm not really sure. I just, I just. Yeah, I mean, yeah. to me, it just, it, that just seems like a temporary thing while what we try and What is NRHP? Wrong Does anybody know what NRHP is? No, not really horsepower. with. Okay, it's not. It's listed with not really horsepower. Then I don't know. I don't know what NRHP is. I'm gonna have to look that up. But I'm wondering if that's not some reason related to it. Oh yeah, national National Register of Historic Places. Mm. So that could possibly have something to do with it, right? Maybe. Uh, maybe there's some type of code or something that they have to go through in order to get it mm. removed. Well, it turns out I be- I'm wrong. Uh, on this one. And when I'm wrong, I say I'm wrong. So let me tell you the numbers. Uh, And again, this is Newsweek from June 10th. So a little while ago. Um, According to the poll, 44% of Americans believe the statue should remain standing. 32% say they should be taken down. 23% say they didn't know or had no opinion. And I'm Mm. so sorry, when was the date of that poll? Uh, I assume recently. From from June June 11th. Oh. So recently, I'll say the last couple of months. Those aren't the statistics you said. I know. I said I'm wrong twice. You're wrong. <laughs> <laughs> I admitted it. Yeah. Well, yeah. So, I mean, that is just the 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 problem with bureaucracy mm-hmm. as well is that things just get entrenched. And, you know, part of living in a society is that we need to decide how we're actually going to handle these things. Because yes, we can pretty much all agree that a lot of these statues don't need to be up. Robert E. Lee, you know, is not someone that we need to glorify, but we are getting to the point where they were making fun of Trump, you know, a few months ago, but we've been taking down what Thomas Jefferson and uh, um, uh, George Let's Washington talk about statues. Thomas Jefferson for a and you, oh yeah, I, there's there's certainly a um, you know a a scathing history depending on which side you you read on that. What what's the other side? What's the side where he didn't rape a slave girl? Yeah, and that, keep her in that's a basement. The, that's the 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 that, creepy love the same story, slave girl that yeah. is that in fact related to the other slave girl that his father had raped. Yeah. That, w- that gave birth to his child at like 14 years old or yeah, whatever. Several, it was. many actually. Well, at first, but yeah. And uh, like I said, the, the other side of that argument is that they were, you know, uh, a, a Harlequin romance, that they were lovers. And, you know, uh, she changed his mind on slavery and then he freed his slaves on his deathbed. So which is. He never freed her. He freed the two kids. He freed. The no. two kids, he never freed her. Oh, the, the, the daughter did And she was how old when this began? I think 16. she was maybe, I think she, she went was to younger France. than that. Suppo- mm-hmm. She went to France, I f- which I'm, I'm pretty sure I know this. She was 16 and because she, she was like basically taking care of the kid, Jefferson's kid, and they, and they were going to Paris because he was the ambassador of France. So I think he met her when she was 16. Again, pretty, I'm not like excusing yeah. any of this. But, I mean, you like, know. you know, he's Roman Polanski by today's standards. Right. I just think so. I don't. If, first of all, we can go. We can talk about Jefferson for sure. Continue about this. Yeah, I just yeah, think there's just a larger I'm conversation. Just saying, we're right. hard pressed for real heroes back then. Right. 
Sorry. Okay, that's fair. It's certainly, that's fair. yes. That, I think, that is true. But what about Ulysses S. Grant? So right. He, oh, there's know, also they, Columbus, they, and there's there's Jesus well, statues. There's there's all kinds of stuff. And I, I think the, the yeah, point the is Jesus where Jesus statues. Yeah. No, you're right. I think you, the point is where you draw the line. Um, but I think we can all just simply start with Confederates. No, I think we can. I don't know. Yeah. I hope to think that. But maybe not. Maybe then, maybe I, we can't all agree. I think, yeah, it, Confederates it, and Columbus. I feel like are kind of the Columbus the, is definitely. A, I would say more controversial for some people because the Italian community loves them. Mm. But does it completely get rid of them, or is it put them in a museum? Do we still want to have these things around? Like one thing that I always yeah. kind of nah. think about. Well, I, I think about the like. Do the, we need to remember the statues, or do we first, need to you know, remember Rob, that it happened? Robert that E. Lee stuff is literally didn't want statues of himself. Right, right. That so, stuff's already in the books. But one thing I think about is the Roman and. Also, uh, when were these statues erected? Okay, oh, hold on. Yeah. So we okay. we have the 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 Roman and Greek statues, right? We have a bunch of statues that were just randomly defaced by other conquerors that came in. That art is now gone for the ages. Those things no longer exist in their true form. Yeah, is it our right as the people living now to destroy historical artifacts, whether or not we agree with them. May I answer with a rebut? <laughs> you are comparing Hellenistic art, like, like stone sculpture, with cheaply recreated hollow bronze statues. But that was the style of the time. That was the art of the no, time. No, that was that the was... political goal of the time. When were these statues erected? Right. Were they erected around the time? But of do we the just throw that in era? the memory hole? Do we just forget that? Do we just we don't not we just acknowledge forget that? forget that we decided as a government to start erecting statues to slavery around the yeah. time that black people were that, demanding That's what I'm rights? asking. I think we should definitely remember that we fucking did that. We well, should remember that we put the true, Japanese yeah. people in internment camps. So I mean, have so a place too. to remember I, I think, this. Can I, Sean, I can I ask you something? So I think you're absolutely right. We should. Yeah, but I think yeah. some of the good, better examples of that would be like Auschwitz, or maybe if we had a Japanese internment camp museum and mm -hmm. they had like a, you know, literally like a, you know, mock up one. Yeah. Uh, or, you know, whatever. Or they had Andersonville, you know, a Confederate, um, I'm sorry, prison camp. So, yeah, I think there's ways to do it. I just don't think that statues, as Tim kind of said, is glorification. I don't think that's the way to remember. There's better ways to teach Confederacy without it, doing that. Well, no, but I, I do think that these are now historical artifacts. This is a record of what we did as a country at this time and place. But, see, this it's is not something that we need to glorify, I, but, it's not, but it's it is not something really we need that, to remember. Because it's not that. It, it's not a battlefield from 1863. It's it's an, it's an a, a mark of- no, it's, it's the 20s and 30s when we decided I, to re-get racist I think and we need to remember that as well okay. so I that, see what you're saying but there is, I think that that's not um, I don't think that's the way to do it I, I think, don't have but I think a museum puts these things the, the museum is what puts these things in the historical context that we need to understand these what museum I totally understand I understand that walking down the street, seeing a giant monument to Robert E. Lee every day without any context around it is definitely problematic. But I don't know that destroying that and getting rid of it and erasing it. I think it you're fine. Is, I, 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 but I, there's well, 15 of them every every 20 miles south of the Mason Dixon line, dude. Like they're I wanna, everywhere. I want to follow your logic. So are dinosaur bones. Can I follow? It's a, I mean, it's a it's a specific I, governmental strategy to subjugate 
a race of people. Yeah. And we should have those museums in every single one of those towns so all of our children mm-hmm. going forward understand what we did and how that is bad. Sean, I have a question for you. No, honestly, because you think that like in every town in Alabama, they should have a, a, a museum to the Confederacy? How do you think? No, honestly, I'm serious. Do you, they what, can't what, even afford. Hold on. What fuck. context would this work in a museum? I'm just asking a legitimate question. Would you put it in like a history museum, a natural history? Like where would you, literally would you put these? Like honestly. Yeah, mo- mostly not. I mean, not natural history. But, okay, whatever. Yeah. But what's interesting is they do have that stuff in New York. Whatever. Yeah. yeah. No, I'm I'm not talking about like a uh, sci- or what is it? Psychology as Burner Museum or shit like that. The, the, I'm talking about actual like you know. I grew up in Chicago, so the Field Museum is what comes to mind. But that's more of a different type of. Thing. I well, understand you're what you're saying. About, like the, if it was like the, the Civil museum. War Museum, for instance, and they mm-hmm. had examples of maybe one or two, that's fine. Ex- they just don't need a million of them. And I think the problem is with that, with putting one museum everywhere, is that it, bec- it might possibly, and this is the danger, I'm not saying it might, uh, it, it might happen, is it becomes a shrine and it might attract the wrong people, right? It might, ca- there's a lot of lost cause people, obviously, there's a sure. lot of right wing militias, a lot of KKK who would love to, you know, just pay five bucks and go visit and pay money to the cause and, you know, whatever it is and just, Whatever, congregate there. So I think that that's well, that's the danger. Yeah, no, I mean it's uh, to me in my uh, in my envisioning of this, it is by no means a private museum that is funneling money anywhere. Mm-hmm. It would be a public museum, you know, a government type museum that is a uh, you know a a almost like the the war memorials or things like that. Where You're right for some, but a lot. What's funny is a lot of these are on private property. Yeah, and, yeah. and they can't. That's a whole different. Yeah, thing. and they can't. Really, and there's a lot of them. I yeah. think it's like 50 percent of them are on private property. Totally. Mm. So. You're right, but what happens if they have these private museums? Like, 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 let's say that happens, right? Yeah, yeah there's let's no say there was a pri- exactly. There's a private museum. They put up a bunch of shrines to totally. KKK and Nazis and stuff like that. What do you do? Well, I mean, this gets back to to me the the most basic fundamental argument of freedom of speech. And as we've argued yeah. about this for years, I am a free speech fundamentalist. I believe that the only way to fight information is with better information. So, I don't think it's right. I, I don't think it's in anyone's favor to tell people that they can't have a museum that glorifies or goes into the things that they want to talk about, to tell Christians that they can't have the the Noah's Ark Museum or the, you know, the Dinosaurs with People Museum. That to me, that that is their freedom of speech and they can say those things, but we also have the right to open a museum right next door that shows you exactly why each one of those things are wrong and, you know, gives it's you the appropriate information. It's basically the same idea that the satanic church takes towards like organized religion. Mm, yeah. Being that they provide a political counterpoint. To yeah. I kind of want to ask you one more Forced question. Pluralism. I'm sorry. Uh, I'm sorry. I cut off there. Um, I kind of want to ask you one more question, Sean, but I, I know we kind of want to move on too. Mm, but if you were like, I kind of want to turn the question to you. If you were the mayor in that situation and, um, and let's say your population was a uh, majority black mm-hmm. and they wanted to take it down riot style. Like they didn't, yeah, yeah. they couldn't do it. Like whatever, for whatever reason, the city council I mean, couldn't do it. What would you do? Well, t- to me, that's the, that's the easy question to answer. Mm-hmm. If your constituency, the majority already wants it. to take, take this down. down, then unless I'm just a racist at my core and I want what, this statue up, then there's no but reason what to not take it down. if it's 40% black? That, like see, what, that's what's the that's, number. Yeah. That's the issue. When the majority of your, and it's not even just black and white though. It's like you live in a small enough town where you know that 60% of your constituency is 
is fucking racist. And you know that if you take that statue down, that that 60% is not going to vote for you anymore. That's when it becomes a personal moral conundrum for each person. It shouldn't be if that politician has any sort of morals. I mean, but politicians don't. And to expect that at this point is just absolutely ridiculous. And I don't asinine. think so. Unfortunately, I, don't so. I agree I don't, with Sean. I, I don't agree. I don't think so. I think we should always just demand the best from, even, even if should. it is naive. To, uh, to don't. De demand and expect. So I will expect. Yeah, I agree with Sean there. Yeah, yeah but I, I disagree. I don't, th I, think, I don't think it's too much to ask, for instance, Jacob Frey or you know, Minneapolis or one of these mayors to do the right thing. Um, well, Minneapolis is, again, an easy choice because the demographics of that town have pretty much lend itself to being- I don't think it's fair. To making it that him, them taking down any of those statues would not be a detriment to the reelection in that town. Yeah. Uh, Maybe uh, that, that, that was a different example. I'm yeah, sorry yeah. because that was not about the statues. That was about the police. Uh, right, have, right. You, have you guys read the most recent decision by the uh, state count or city council in Minneapolis? They, to they, they to voted to abolish yeah. the police or whatever. What do you yeah. What do you think of that, Sean? Um, I think. Well, first off, there are many, many problems with policing in our country right now, and it does need to be fixed and addressed and reformed. My issue is that just disbanding the police is going to create a vacuum that is either going to be filled in by crime or just filled in by different names of systems that do the exact same thing that the police already do. So just by getting rid of the police, you're, you're scraping off the scab, but you're not getting rid of the underlying infection, which is all of the, the, the politicians and the overseers and the sheriffs and the people that actually make the decisions and set the quotas and drive what happens in so, those enforcements. I want to disagree with you just a little bit there in my theory. Uh, and this is totally a theory and I hope I don't get nailed to the wall for this. <laughs> um, on the police, like you're, you're saying that it's the quotas and that it's the, this and the, that I think that the issue with the police is that they're under trained and Certainly. over expected. Yeah. You can't give somebody a couple of weeks of, of cadet training mm -hmm. and expect them to be an able-bodied mental health professional <laughs> in a situation. You know what I mean? Without a doubt. And yeah. the thing is, is we expect these police officers that are, that are basically, you know, just like, yeah, it makes more money than working at the fucking feed plant. Mm -hmm. You know, like yeah. you can't expect those people to rise to all of the different calls that cops have to answer to. Yeah. You know, police have to answer to everything, mm -hmm. to, to, to mental health calls, to this, that, and the other thing. You know, they have to be warriors and also they have to have kid gloves. And mm. that's a weird thing to expect from a human being. Totally. Right. And especially at the at the oddly low rate that they're being paid for the amount of responsibility that they have. Mm -hmm. You know, um, of course, you're not going to be getting the best out of these people. You know, I, I told and, and so those decisions and the decisions not to change that, that's absolutely coming from the top, mm. you know, and coming from like the system. Mm. But but yeah, I don't know. Go ahead. You know, I, I totally agree with that. The the counterpoint that comes to mind is that it's not as bad in the military. So 
military personnel overseas in Afghanistan have basically the same responsibilities that our police do here, but they also have other rules that they abide by. They cannot fire unless they are fired upon. They, you know, I mean, there are rules. I, I wish they all followed those rules. Right, right, right. Hundreds Abu of Ghraib, thousand dude. Iraqi civilians. Abu Ghraib. Yeah, totally. I, I'm not saying that it's a better system or that they follow, or I'm not saying that the results are necessarily better, but there are I don't at least think that's an apt comparison, really. It's also a different, uh, you're asking to do different things because you're asking, a soldier I feel like is such a different thing than a policeman. The it's police very, should not- very thin line these days, but yeah. Well, that's days, unfortunate. it should not be that <laughs> it way. It should not right. be that way. The militarization of the police is a huge problem, certainly. Yeah, um, and that's what really, when people are talking about defunding the police, first of all, I think it's a negotiating tactic. Yeah. You never haggle with your dream price, right, right. you know, like ugh, you just don't do it. Well, and, and, and you people, start with your dream price. You never start with your settling price. Sure. <laughs> what fucking hour. But uh, that aside, I have been derailed. Um, no, no, it's cool. Uh, uh, either way, when, when, when people say that, you know, they're talking about defunding the police, the people that are against that idea entirely are thinking like, oh, you want to just like take the cops off the streets so that everybody has fucking do yeah, it? No, police. No, it's like, no, maybe they don't need a fucking tank, dude. No, maybe they don't need 15 fucking helicopters, bro. Like, you know, if people look at some of the budgets of these larger urban police departments, yeah. they're insane. And if they look at the way that those uh, uh, things are being allocated, you could trim vast amounts of those budgets without the police officers, the people on the front lines ever feeling that at all. Certainly. And the, the good police really do want that because one, you're right. They don't want to do these mental health stuff. They don't want to have to do the social work calls yeah. well, and all those things will, are preventative measures. Yeah. So what all that stuff will do is prevent more homeless people, prevent more mental, you know, mentally ill people from being on the streets, prevent more domestic violence, all that stuff. So their jobs are easier and safer. So yeah. I think a lot of the cops do want that. Now, again, it's tough to argue because all the, the police unions do. don't want it. I don't think they do. No, no. So I said, I said, Good in quotation. My dad was a good cop. My <laughs> dad was a police officer for 36 years. I grew up with my my sister worked for the state police. My dad was a cop. My mom's a nurse. My brothers, you know, everybody's in either healthcare and then there's fucking me. Um, but uh my dad my my point, my dad's a good cop. He's still a blue line motherfucker. And that right. still makes him a gang member. And that's kind of my point too. So is that I think a public servant. I think some of them recognize the problems, but the problem is the unions. And I think that they do toe the line very well. Yeah. And they do have that blue line, like you said. Yeah. And even if you do kind of disagree, like your dad is a good person, yeah, a good I, cop. I want to I like say that because like, you know, this is a fucking podcast. My dad's a great dude. Mm -hmm. I, my dad's one of my best friends. He's one of the best dudes I know, but he was a police officer for 36 years. And I really believe that he was complicit in a very, very predatory system. Mm. You know, like I, 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 you know, I view my dad's career as having been a stormtrooper a, a little bit, you know? Well, I think it depends on the specific In more than Nazi sense than the Star Wars sense. But you were saying that you don't think that he would be willing to give up any of those responsibilities to I don't, other departments? I, or, I hope my dad never hears this. I don't think that if he was in the opportunity to out another officer well, for, yeah. for misconduct, that he would do it. So, yeah. That, I think that's from, a different I conversation. I don't think any cop would do that. I, and I think that that's just the— 
But I, I think, I, I I think what Joey was asking I'm, was about funding. I guess. Is, oh. what, like, let's say I said to your dad, "Would you be cool if we took hundred million dollars away from Chicago PD and gave it to social workers or mentally health mental health professionals?" I think he would work as hard as he possibly could to not agree with your logic. Why? Because he. Because Just he doesn't he, want to. Because he's hurting his is hurting his cause. What it really is is it's offending his confirmation bias, mm. and that's the unfortunate thing about America today, is that anything that offends your confirmation bias simply cannot be true. Um, okay, I, and I so, see that. But and so my dad's confirmation bias is that the police are the good guys. Right. Why that would you Superman, take money away from the good guys? Yeah. You know, why on earth would you want to take away from Superman? Right. Yeah. You need Superman, otherwise Zod. Right. You yeah, know? No, I, and, I get it. And it's that black and white in so many minds. He does. You really think your dad thinks that black and white? If you, if you, kinda, I talk to my dad if, if you every talk single day. Okay. Well, that's fair. I mean, you know him better than anyone. Yeah. <laughs> he, he, he's, he's super progressive with certain things, but with with the police, it's a fraternity. It's a brotherhood. It's and I say this all the time, pisses my dad off to no fucking end. It's a gang. It's a gang. And it's a chess game and they got all the pieces. You know what I mean? So like how do we it, break up the gang? Uh, I don't know. I mean, like, honestly, how do gang task force forces work? How do they do it? Usually tax evasion. How do we? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, I don't know. You know, how do you do it? I don't yeah. know. Yeah. That, fi fi honestly, follow the money. Follow know. the money. And I think that's the key. Follow the money. And you have to keep pushing these, the politicians to defund. I think yeah. that's the only thing. Yeah. I guess. Yeah. I don't know any, I don't know either way. I don't, so, I, I mean, but, you can change. Okay. So let me also, I'm sorry, Sean. Can I say one thing before you? I, I was following a DeRay McKesson. He basically says a lot of things. One about training. Sensitivity training, he says, doesn't work. Training these cops more and trying to teach them to be better, it doesn't work, he says. The only thing that works, he says, is policies and specific regulations, meaning stop uh, chokeholding. Like, yeah. make that a law. Like, that's the only thing that prevents these guys from doing it. Because they will always be guys who the training, they just ignore. Because they're the rules, dudes. They're like, what's not yeah. going to get me in fucking trouble? It's all about rules. What's you, the least you have amount to, of paperwork? You have to say you can't choke hold. You have to say uh, um, every time you draw your weapon, you have to warn your the, the person, yeah. which yeah. That, that is not a rule in like 35 states or something. Yeah. I think you're filing paperwork every time you pull your gun. Right. That's, oh, another, that's, one. You that's, that's another one. You got to do that every single time. Yeah. That's a good point. Because these guys hate doing paperwork. Holster. They're going to. The that's how you get them. That's how you get them. My dad bitched about paperwork more in his career than anything else. And yeah. I've only, I've got a lot of anecdotal experience with that, which is the only reason I'm speaking up there. But I like growing up, I would listen to my dad bitch about paperwork all the time. And it was like, the more people died, the more fucking paperwork he had to do. Yeah, And I think that's true, but we should push for one or two things. That's the problem. I think it's with this going to get very diluted very quick. We should be like, yes, draw your gun paperwork. That should be like slogan, push for that on Twitter, you know, make a huge push on social media and try to get every single state to pass that. And that's how you make change. Because if you don't, then it's going to be diluted and we're not going to do any, like, I don't see anything happening. There's like a few, besides, like you said, Minneapolis, there's not a lot happening. There's not a lot of policies changing. No, well, and I don't think I don't think pulling a fair amount of funding from the Los Angeles. There was a, there was a little bit. It's a drop in the bucket. To be it, perfectly it honest, it felt concessionary. Yeah, it was, yeah, and yeah, it, it was only because they forced him after all of the protests and everything. And and Garcetti still didn't really do much. Yeah. Anyways, the point is that that's kind of in the past. I don't think the protests are getting any more intense. So no. I think the politicians think they've weathered the storm, and and the people need to honestly rise up again if they really want to see change. Yeah. And I think that's the key is we realize that these protests work. And honestly, because there was small change, not a ton, but there's a little bit and only because it got crazy.
Yeah. I don't know about crazy. I don't want to say crazy, but people, people were took to the streets. Pissed. People yeah. were pissed. People were just pissed, you know, and they were vocal about it. Do you think, Sean, do you think that's true? Do you think the protests were successful? Um, so that, that's an issue I have with the, I guess the, the framing of the protests that we have. Um, I think there were a lot of people protesting for a lot of different reasons. And some people, well, at first, yes, a lot of people were protesting about George Floyd and about the, uh, um, you know, police uh, overusage and militarization. But I think there's a lot of other motivating factors. You know, if we hadn't just been locked down for three months, if, you know, if we hadn't had 40 million people unemployed, if, you know, if things were... We were just kind of at a boiling point as a society. Things were not very good going into this. And now all of a sudden we have all of these people that are very agitated for a lot of different reasons. I think George Floyd was an excuse for a lot of people to vent that rage over more than his death. I over- think that's I think that's kind of true. I don't I don't quite agree. The reason is because I think there was other other events too. You're right. Yeah. I think that it played a factor for sure that people wanted to get I, out. Well, I think it was like the straw that broke the camel's back. That's I think fair. I think that's a better opening. that's maybe a better analogy, the straw that broke the camel's back. Yeah. Because I think there was also Ahmed Arbery, I believe. Yeah. Yeah. And that was on video. Yeah. We yeah. all we yeah. all saw that. And then we had Brianna Taylor exactly. who was shot and she was asleep. Yeah. So there I think there was a I mean, this has been happening for years, right? We're not, this is not a, a new thing. Right. But I think just the few, the three of them in a row, and then the fact that we literally saw it, right? That we all had footage of it. And it was like, like literally, what, eight minutes and 40, yeah. What, yeah. 48, six seconds long. We all watched it. That's a key. Because I think I even told this to you earlier, Sean, about I compared this to 68 or 69 when we saw uh, on live television, someone shoot a guy in the head in South Vietnam. Mm. You literally just watch someone ex- executed like in the in the head. And, yeah, yeah. And that's graphic and that's really crazy. And to watch someone die on live television is something that changes a population, a generation. It mm. seriously did. I think it really woke the fuck up for a lot of people. Uh, even like George fucking W. Bush was like Black Lives Matter. Mm. You know, Mitt Romney yeah. Black Li- marched for Black Lives Matter. You would yeah. never see that shit. I, so I think that's that's the difference to me. Well, yeah, in, in think- George Floyd, we had an unequivocal case. We had fucking Rush Limbaugh come out sure. and say that, you know, this was wrong. So this was definitely a tipping point and a turning point. But I do think that if we hadn't had that lockdown, if we hadn't had so much on employment, if we hadn't had so many people hurting and in food lines already, that there would be a lot less people yeah, I think participating true. in those. And I think they would have been a lot less violent and a lot less destructive. And unfortunately, that's what seems to captivate people. And captivating people is what uh, really motivates your politicians. So I, I agree. I just don't, I think you're, I, I don't know if you're trying to do this, but it seems like you're minimi- you're minimizing side, side effect, the actual purpose of the protest and, and, oh, putting, and no. putting it more on a, a, a reactionary to COVID. And I think that that's the only issue I have with what you're saying. And again, I'm not, yeah. I'm not accusing you of no, doing no, it, they, but I'm just saying that it, it adds the side effect there. But I think there's also some other factors. For instance, like shit is abandoned. I know that sounds really weird, but like 
if shit is abandoned and you go out and, and you're in public, you're more likely, that sounds bad, to, to throw a brick at the window or yeah, something totally. like that. You know what I mean? As opposed to a thriving business culture, right? right? When we've been locked up and everything seems like the apocalypse, yeah, you're more likely to throw a brick at the window. Yeah. So honestly, I, I not that I'm condoning any of that stuff. I'm just saying it's more understandable in that sense. Yeah. Um, so that I think can be a factor without necessarily saying they're ignoring the real cause here, which is systemic problems in the police and just criminal justice system. Yeah. And I, I do think like I, I'm, I, I haven't actually gone to any of the protests, so I can't say for sure. I can only say by my media intake, but it feels like the protests are dying down, uh, whether that's just yeah, the coverage dying down or whether that's actual less that's interest in it. But it, I, I think the issue is that we there's a lot of attention on the issue right now of police and the way that we do that. But I think that America has a very short attention span, and we, there these very minimal changes. Uh, these uh, I can't remember if I said it on this pod or the last, but the the uh, uh getting you know kind of removed in this sort of corporate. That's why we just have to, we have to do it fast and quick and hard and it'll suck for however long, you know. But that's, like, that's it, not how the country works. That's not like, how the government it's works. Like that's not how change happens from pasture here. to pasture. So I, I, I think you're both right, by the way. You're both, you're right. It needs to go fast and you're, this country's fucking too slow well, for but it. But people that's are why, cattle, man. That's they why just, I think we got to do one thing at a time. We got to go like, like steps. Like that's what I mean, literally mean. Like we got to have a campaign that says like no chokeholds. Fucking no chokeholds for like a week. And that's all we say, no chokeholds. And then mm, like so, the next week it's like, Paperwork for guns. That's, like seriously, because that's the only way shit gets done is if is, you focus on one thing, do a crazy media campaign with it. Because eh. you're right, our attention span is 24 hours at most. Eh. And that's only only thing I can think of. And that maybe works. that is, you know, maybe it's just speaking their language is, is like, you know, because that's the language they speak is just rules of just like, no, you can't fucking do this specific thing. Honestly, I'm just going by what works. I've seen I've seen statistics. Like if, if the sensitivity training worked, right? If we were training yeah. the police to be better people and less racist and less, uh, in, you know, uh, uncon unconscious bias, I would say do it. But apparently from the numbers I've seen from a lot of people, it doesn't work. It just doesn't work. And mm. doesn't change minds. It doesn't change behavior. Maybe change, but it doesn't change behavior. And that's the key. So you're right. Maybe speaking their language, just giving, laying down the law and one or two things is the only thing that changes yeah. The numbers here, so let's just focus on that. The only it. language they know to speak in is force. So why are we talking back with reason? Because that's supposed <sighs> to be our system. Yeah, it, 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 as a supposed to be. This is the, the you know what's right. the world we're living in. But the thing is, once you open that gate, once we decide that we are going to get what we want through force, no. And, at what point? Yeah, does, I think we're, the word you're. I'm, the, yeah. yeah, I'm using the word force metaphorically here. Yeah. In that you force rules upon them administratively, and it's like, no, cog, you are a cog in this machine. Fucking work the way you're told to. Yeah. Because so, yeah. truly, these people are public servants. Well, they are. I want to take a step back a little bit and address something that you were talking about earlier. Not to say that they're not fucking amazing people that do great jobs with many oh, yeah. different things, but like they're public servants. And also, like, I, I don't know. Serve I don't know. and mm. protect. Jesus. Ideally. Yeah. And neither of those things are happening. Right. So Tim had brought up the idea or was talking about, um, you know, what certain people mean when they say defund the police. Um, what I want to address is at least first off, that is the problem with what we have as a leaderless movement. The idea is that 
honestly, there are people that think that defund the police, that are saying defund the police means abolish the police. All cops are bastards. There are factions of these groups that are saying different things with the same language. So different people are saying defund the police in meaning different things. So that's where it becomes very easy for the other side to say, oh, they mean get rid of all cops without any sort of leader or agreement in mm. this movement, it's really difficult to, it, you become an easy target, an easy punching bag because they People will just are, pick the worst version of what it is you're trying to get through. I don't know how helpful this is going to be to say, but people are always critiquing the way that the black community is reacting to racism. You know, they're a leaderless movement. He's protesting wrong. He shouldn't have done it that way. You know, they shouldn't be violent. They shouldn't be this. They shouldn't be that. You know, I think like, what does that, what does that say about us? That, that, that's the way that we, you know, that, that we're, we're constantly placing all of these expectations on black people to explain why they're hurting or why they're suffering. And well, it's like, well, the yeah. issue is that we're a democratic Republic. And the idea is that we elect people to represent us so that we're not all talking at once at the same time over each other in order for anything to get done. We all have to want that thing to get done. If your group all wants different things, but they're all saying the same words, meaning different things, nothing's ever going to get done because we have nothing to negotiate on. We have nowhere to stand. We have nowhere to say, okay, these are the things you guys want. Here are the things we're willing to do. You just got, you just have a mass of sort of different concepts, but nothing to really, like Joey was saying, you need to pick one agenda that is very specific that we can accomplish. Then we can pick another agenda that is very specific that we can accomplish. That is really uh, how the government is structured. Essentially what you're talking about is, is marketing almost yeah. or, or branding. Yeah. Well, and I think that's true in that yeah, the Democrats it, or the left should get better at marketing or branding, but there's always going to be people with different opinions. It's a big tent party. It's a big, and that's right, the right. point. But I think you, you have to just simply don't don't always just you know take. I, th I would say some of the problem is on the interpreter. I guess is sure. is, is saying, hey, I'm just going to uh, look at defunding and and assume the worst. Mm -hmm. That's partially your fault. Maybe do a little fucking research, Google a little bit. You know, it's not that hard anymore to do research. But th that's what I'm saying. It depends. There are people in that group that say defunding means get rid of the I agree. police. I know. I know. And I know. so you and that's can pick saying. and choose which argument you want to fight. And that's against. And that's perhaps as a branding issue. Maybe they should use different words: abolish versus defund. Whatever. You're right. You might be right. But I think that again, that's essentially what we're doing. And I think Tim. I, I, I like what you said because I think we should, we really have to focus. And that's what we shouldn't be worried about how they're protesting. The owners is not, a, it, or, or, or yeah. even like, you know, the leader, like you said, leaders. It's just like, it's just sorry. my opinion that the onus is so not on the black community right now. The onus is on us as like us being like these four motherfuckers in this room on this podcast being you know, left leaning, or at least, you know, I don't, I, not to assume all of our political standpoints, but the onus is on us as white people that understand the imbalance in our society to try and be part of the solution vocally now. 
Like that's that's what the onus is really on. It's not that the Black Lives Matter movement doesn't have a clear enough leader or a clear enough goal or, uh, or you know, well organized enough. It's not blaming arguments. It's it's trying to figure out what the fuck we want. It's trying to figure out how we can actually do something. What is it that you want me to do? As lead with this- empathy and understanding. I want you to lead with empathy and understanding when you're looking at these things instead of saying. I'm past that. I want to fix this shit. Well, no, what but we what do? I'm asking you to ask yourself is not why is this a leaderless movement or blah, 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 blah. But like perhaps if you think that the message is not being articulated well enough, what could you possibly do to be part of a better articulation of that message? If you think it's a message worth hearing, unless you don't think it's a message worth hearing. The the problem is I'm not sure what our message is. What what is the, the black community is being systemically subjugated by the United States government and the police are the most active and sharp arm of that force. We, but it, yes, we already have mass agreement on that, though. We understand that. We've okay, so said this for I have, 60 I, I, years. I can answer for you. Yeah. Shift, shift money away from the cops towards other services. Right. And that's what I'm saying. But like, it, we all need to be saying these actionable things. Okay. These, so, these, yeah, right. these sort of ideals of systematic racism. Yes, it may exist, but just yelling systematic racism is not going to do anything other than entrench the other side to say, no, it doesn't exist and entrench this side to say, yes, it does exist. Yeah, if we can address individual points, yeah. Yeah. we can literally write down the things that need to be fixed and go down the list one by one. This is the most important thing that needs to be fixed, whether it's demilitarizing, whether it's breaking up the police into different arms or different sections. I, the, so that I think the problem is it, it is happening. I think it's just, again, a common issue is that you're, you're just simply listening to the wrong voices, maybe, or the loudest voices who are just simply just screaming stuff for systemic racism. But the problem, I think, it, and there's not a problem here, is that there, we need both. Right? We need to talk about the problems and the issues and the causes and then talk about solutions. You got to talk about both. So you got to talk about systemic racism, and then you got to talk about Okay, what do we do physically? What what policies can we pass? So you can't just be like no, one no, or the other. I, I'm I'm but, not saying but, but I think your problem is you're just kind of saying, hey, they're just shouting systemic racism and it's turning the left, they're turning the right off. But you have to do that because you have to explain the problem. And if you're just getting very upset at the problem and getting defensive, well then again, that's your fault. And, and you have to get and you no, have to make an effort to uh, understand. Yeah, but it, it's it, again, it's not about understanding. It's about it's about actually taking action rather than just chanting yeah, the same shit we've chanted you're, again, for 50 years. You're not hearing years. me. I'm, I'm saying, I'm saying, yes, that's, that's part of it. But, but the point is that you have to explain the problem before you tell them what, why we're doing the action. Also, you have to explain why we're doing, why we're, why we're getting rid of chokeholds. We're getting rid of chokeholds because systemic racism leads to a lot of people getting choked. You're invalidating the catharsis of the collective pain of these injustices as well. The chanting is is people singing their song to the world. You know what I mean? Like, like the the black community has been going through this for generation after generation after generation. Every like I said this earlier tonight, not on a podcast, but uh, we were talking about something. Most every person, every black person you meet with gray hair will remember a time when certain drinking fountains weren't for them. We can't invalidate their right to anger at this. We can't mm-hmm. validate their right to chant, to sing, to do this. No, not not at all. all. All I'm saying is that we need actual things that we can address 
that I mean, yes, that there is a catharsis in being together and recognizing things as a group. And yes, that is certainly something that needs to be done. But we need to go beyond that. We need. But they to, are. They are doing that. That. I think we're not giving enough patience in this moment yeah. for the hurt that needs to be expressed because people are like what we're seeing with these protests that started in Minneapolis and spread through all 50 states are that people are just finally reaching this point where like they're you know we're throwing our arms up and saying we're ah, they can't take this anymore sure you know we're not going to take this anymore we're we're here now and you don't just calm down right away. You can't expect people to calm down right away. And I think that it's it's a uh, it's another unrealistic ex expectation in a long list of unrealistic expectations that have been placed upon the black community. I you keep saying this is a black community thing, and that's where I think we differ. I don't think I don't view these. Uh, the the riots and protests as a black community thing. This is an American thing. The, these people all, all out there are fighting for these same things. There is an injustice against our people that needs to be corrected. We There's a vast majority of the country that already recognizes that. Now we need to figure out how I, to actually do that. I think that it's so clear to me anecdotally and from my own uh, research, which could be biased, you know, I'll, I'll admit the possibility of that, but, uh, it's so clear to me that th these things disproportionately affect the black community and they don't affect people like you and me. I've got so many stories of me getting the benefit of the doubt and I've got an equal it, it, amount of stories. Yeah, re, not... re, totally understood. And regardless of any of that, but these to, people are still Americans. This is an American take, problem. But, but we live in such a racial society that's uh, like, this is the world we live in. We live in a racial world. We live in a world where white and black are a thing we talk about all the goddamn time. Sure. And so it's not right now at the moment of their retribution to, or not retribution. I guess I'm just trying to use fucking big words to sound smart. I don't know. At the moment of like the like at at the moment where things are finally starting to come to fruition, suddenly it's an American thing and it's not a black thing when they've done all the suffering. It just doesn't seem right to me. Why, it's, Sean? Why are you so afraid of calling this an, a black community led thing? Because are I you think afraid that, of calling this country racist? Is no, that the issue? no. I think it diminishes the power. That's what the Republicans I think are if you of. actually want change, we need everyone to fucking agree that. That we need yeah, see, this I don't change. Agree. I think what I you're think doing is all lives mattering a little bit. Um, we want, uh, I think if we want why? change, we need to be able to say, this happened to black people and it didn't happen to me. Right. And that was right. fucked up. That's, and I don't want to live in that world. Yes. The, those people are Americans. And as Americans, they're we black should be, Americans. Though, sure. Yes. Because that's the, like, but you're, when you just say Americans, you're erasing their specific problems and you're, and you're putting it on everyone, including you and me. Yeah. Be, which, which is not true. Isn't, yeah. The but that's what Tim was asking us to do earlier. has well, made their blackness a red badge of courage. But this, in, is, this is what you were asking terms. us to do earlier. You were asking us as the white guys to come up and do something and to speak up and to, to be part of this. No, not necessarily so, speak up either. I guess I, perhaps I wasn't you know per properly articulating myself. I think also this is a time to listen and shut the fuck up a little bit too. <laughs> um, I, I worry so. Well, I, right. I think about it. <laughs> 
think so often like it's just like dude, no no like, I, I, I think you're right i think you're right i think sean it's it, it is it's fucking confusing because you're right we're telling you to, to to speak up and shut the fuck up i think sure. there's a dichotomy there we're telling <laughs> you to be but no i think the key is no the key, the key is to just do your part do what you can and whether that is just like honestly doting five dollars or whether that is speaking on a podcast like we're doing so, now or whether it's you the, know just having a conversation with your dad uh, okay i think so that's the hold, point hold on so i think you guys are just misinterpreting where i'm coming from on this for whatever biased reasons you have against me coming into this conversation. What I'm trying to get at is that right now, we are more so than ever in my lifetime on the precipice of real, actual, actionable change that could actually happen throughout the country and have ramifications for generations to come. If we give up, if we disband right now, if we all faction into different arguments in different points and want different things and scream for different things, it all falls apart and nothing happens and we end up back at the same place we were. Right now is the time for action. I see those, I, as, as I said, I see the protests diminishing. I see people losing interest and I see people losing okay. so, uh, losing effort in these saying. things. And if we don't right now list what we demand, and yeah. this shit is all going away and it was all for naught and nothing okay. is going to come of it. So I see what you're saying. I agree. I do see that. Yeah. I agree what you're saying. Uh, I think that though, we can't just even think like that because you have to think that, because I don't see this moment as necessarily any different than any other moment specifically. It's just we're more angrier than normal and there's been shit that's gone wrong. But politically, it's the same structure we've always had, right? We still have the Senate, we still have the Congress, we still have our municipality. But so that's like, the thing, we are let me, the let me, let me finish. Let me finish. So my point is that, yeah, that's not what you need to say. You don't want to say now is the moment. You say the moment is always. Change is a constant thing and you have to be constantly fighting. You don't say, oh, we're going to fight now because now our, our blood is up. No, no, no. no. I think that's silly. Change, to- change like this is an earthquake. It builds up slowly over time and then all releases at once. You have to catch that it wave when it comes through. It doesn't work. Big sweeping social change all comes in a big giant emotion. We do get these minor incremental changes along the way. Yes, we are always evolving and always changing, but big radical reform all comes when people are on edge and people are feeling that emotion. That's what happened in the 60s when we got the radical reform because yeah, it's not the 60s anymore, though. It's not like that. We don't, we don't have that anymore because we don't have Congress making these decisions anymore. Congress is locked is locked up. They're not it's, doing it's shit. It's not yeah. about Congress, though. They're this, the only one who makes laws, No, dude. no. This is, this is a—that's the issue here. This is a, a municipality by municipality decision. But, but they're locked up, too, dude. They're just as, they're just they're, as they, partisan as, as no, the No, no, no. That's, that's the problem. The, the issue is that— well, one of the many issues I always rant about is that people are way too focused on national politics, on who the president is and who the one senator is that they know the name of. The people that you vote for in your you're town, getting, your you're mayors, your those are the people that make those decisions. And if we want to change the way that policing is done, yeah. policing is not the same in okay, LA so me, as it is in Georgia. You're right. Is, you're right. Uh, I'm the, but we're losing track of the point here. I think the point was is versus incremental change versus sudden change. And I think that my point was that I think incremental change is the only way we can actually make specific permanent change in the country because often what happens with sudden change is there's a reactionary there's backlash, a backlash yeah. or it's suddenly, um, it just simply doesn't pass or it fizzles out, those kind of things. And to be honest, the past 20 years, maybe we can talk about the 60s in some other way, but I like to go to recent history and I say the last 20 years and I don't see a lot of change. 
I don't. Yeah. I don't see a lot. And I don't think that this moment is also going to draw that much. I've seen, it was a big fucking deal, like you said. It's it a big moment have. and it could have, but it's gone. The moment, let's be honest, the moment's gone. I, uh, right? I, I mean, I, let's be honest. I, I don't know what you're thinking. It is, unless, unless it's, it's currently June 29th. Yeah, it's, it's um, not happening again. Unless something crazy happens again and the people get really pissed off. But I think the yeah. point is that you have your, whatever that moment was, I agree. That probably should have struck all the irons hot. I pissed. But, but I yeah. think that, no, you're right to be pissed. And I think that the point is that you have to keep that anger throughout. That's the key. Because if you don't, then you will get complacent and you'll, and you'll get the 24-hour news cycle complacency thing. Mm -hmm. And I think that you that's why we, we need people to be almost permanent revolutionaries. And I don't mean the Trotskyite type of thing. I just mean people like, again, I'm going to mention his name, DeRay McKesson, who's really awesome, who constantly fights for specific policies that you're talking about and goes on podcasts and, and goes on Instagram and does all these things and shows, says, this is what we got to do. And he's hammering these three or four or five points. And I would say, really listen to him because those are things that really do make a, a change. And I think that that's the way to do it. And I'm, I'm sorry to keep ranting at the same point, but I think we need to take what you just said and like continue it week after week after week after week after week. The, I guess my counterpoint to that would be um, Occupy Wall Street. So there became a point where, yes, everyone was interested in Occupy Wall Street, and it was a big deal when it first started happening. And then two months in, five months in, a year in, two years in, who gives a fuck? You know, it's just some goddamn hippies that are camped out. Yeah. Like, it, you know, that, that perpetual protest hasn't done anything. It hasn't actually accomplished. I, I don't necessarily mean that. I don't mean like right, right. physically but protesting. It, it, yeah, I mean, it, that's the thing. Like, because the American psyche is so fickle, because we have such a short attention span, we really need to latch on to these moments when they do come because they come so fr infrequently. Sure. There's been maybe two in my lifetime. This yeah. one in 9-11, maybe the 2008 crash, but not really because, you know. Yeah, nothing, not a lot of happened. Yeah, exactly. No one went to jail. They paid off everyone. Everyone got richer. Fucking, yeah. yeah. So, I mean, e even now that's what's happening with the fucking COVID. Every, you know, the yeah. rich people are getting richer and the poor people are, well, some of us are making more than we did before. But the, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know. Uh, but in general, you know, it's the rich people that are, that are profiting. And that is the cycle that continues without, without this revolution actually having m momentum to move it forward from here, I see it dying, unfortunately. And I don't want that to happen. I And I think that's the problem with a leaderless movement without well, someone to- You may be right, Sean, but let's, let's try to be optimistic then. What could we do? Well, if we're going to continue as a leaderless movement, there at least needs to be some sort of an accord, some sort of bill of rights or something that can be universally agreed upon by all like a of the manifesto sort of thing. One could say that, like that's you know, not the best term. Yeah. 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 Something along those lines that is, is some sort of, at least to be a group, you need a unifying principle or a unifying theory, whether or not you have a unifying leadership, you need some sort of, you know, underlying charter. Yeah. Something that is going to, again, unify everyone. But so once we, if there is something that is broad enough, that it, broad enough, but specific enough to have actionable items that 
people can agree in en masse. You now, could start with things I, like- What you're describing, I'm sorry, go ahead. Just a, a short list of demilitarize the police, break up the, uh, the responsibilities of the police so that we have social workers, we have traffic enforcement, and then we have actual armed, uh, you know, combatants when we need them, yeah. uh, you know, giving those different responsibilities. The, the one issue I do want to bring up here, I know you want to, uh, I, if we do that, if we envision a place where police are no longer traffic cops, where they are, where we have, you know, regu uh, I guess like parking enforcement for our traffic cops, they're the ones that pull you over. When that murderer comes up in the database and the traffic cop lets them go because that's the the main, you know, the only thing that they can do, they can observe and report, but they're not armed. They're not able to actually do well, anything there. Well, I'm just saying that this creates that vicious cycle of, oh, we cleaned up the police, but now our, you know, 10 years later, our crime rate is increased. So now we got to get back to, you know, getting back hard on the police. It's, it, we need that underlying fundamental change more so than just changing the actions of the police. We need the incentives that are built around them to be re-incentivized and rethought out to, to make those, uh, those changes actually take root and work. Yeah, I agree. Uh, I think what, what you were describing earlier about a set of you know, principles guiding manifest mm -hmm. whatever you have. Yeah. I think we'll that ideally, and again, we're, you might, we might get into disagreements here. That's the Black Lives Matter movement is that's what they're supposed to be. Now you can have arguments again, like like Tim was saying about about their leadership, about how they should do things, whatever you argue, what's on their website, whatever. I actually kind of thought like, it's, it's not but even a move. Like, so people compare Black Lives Matter to like the KKK. The, well, that's crazy, but- Well, no, but like the, there's no infrastructure. It's not a move. It's just an idea. It's just like, hey, Black Lives Matter, dude. Well, it's well, that. It's that. And these lives that. that's indisposable. I think that's true. That's but true more than and that. not true, though, because there is an actual organization yeah. Yeah, called is. Black Lives Matters. Black Lives Matter. That is an NGO that collects money right. and distributes it to politicians and things like that. So Pays for billboards. Yeah, and, like th there is branding. a commercial arm of this that does have something that they can stand behind. Right now, the Black Lives Matter Black Lives Matter movement is essentially yes. Black Black lives do matter. How do we make that a reality? How do we make that entrenched in the system rather than the fact that they don't? Hmm. Well, I think if you go to their website, they probably have a list of stuff. But again, the that that is that organization is separate from the people. And right. the people need to be the ones that embrace these, you know, tenants of whatever the system is going to be. Yeah. Well, I think there's also just entrenched entrenched like an intended disinterest in understanding the movement by a lot of people. Certainly. I'm, I'm sure there you are know, racists. We like can't deny that. Yeah. Like there but, are people that are going to fight against even, like, I'm not even talking about like out and out racists. Right, I'm right. not talking about There's people that it's Spencer more convenient to ignore. Is, yeah. You know, but like people that are just like tacitly racist in ways they don't necessarily even comprehend. You know, it's like, they just don't want to understand it, you know? So like, how clearly do they need to lay this shit out for you, really? You know, how how deep do we need to make the expectations of this community? Well, that's to, the thing, like, at this point- Say, like, you know, like, well, yeah, Black Lives Matter, but like, what does that even really mean? 
But that, that's what I mean. At this point, I don't think it's even worth having the argument with those people. At this point, those camps are already entrenched. And no matter how much you yell, you're not going to convince them to come to your side. I think there's already enough people on the right side that are going to – that would back the right decision if that was presented in a mm. clear and actionable way. Yeah. The, the, reason I don't, I, the reason I don't agree is that I, I just see I, – I see people changing. I don't not not to a crazy extent, but again, I mentioned Mitt Romney, I mentioned George W. Bush. Yeah. I mean, that's that's pretty crazy. Oh, in the over. I'm just saying people I'm can saying, change a little bit. Right, right. But we don't need to convince everyone right now. We I'm have enough. I'm just saying those conversations. You got to convince enough to make yeah. some small change. And I'm saying those conversations. Enough of those have already happened. Now we're to the point where we need something to vote on that we can actually. Affect well, that, these that's changes. true, and that's you're right. That's why we should look at the, what's going on in the Senate right now. And they just they just voted down Tim Scott's bill, mm -hmm. and the Democrats have to come up with their own bill. So we'll see what's happening. But you're right. That's literally what has to happen. Yeah. Um, but fucking Congress has refused to do their job for the last yes. 50 years. So Well, you know, yeah. Republicans in Congress. Congress in general, man. No, Republicans in Congress are mostly Repo are, are more to blame. Sure. Old Whatever. Mitch McConaughey. Yeah, I mean, I have no, I mean, I, I obviously I'm saying that oh, as right a Democrat, but I, I, I think that's fair to say objectively. <laughs> in the, this current right iteration, here. maybe, but, yeah. you know, the last 50 dead years. I'm not, I haven't been alive last 50. I'm not going to rise. You're a student of history. Well, but I'm just talking about, I don't want to, I don't care about 1982. I, I care about recently. I care about stuff going on now. So did we fix it? We, I. Yeah. Mm, that at least, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. There's. I'm, I'm more tired than I was, so. <laughs> right, right. Should we get your dad to come on? Uh, yeah, yeah. Have if him call only, in. It, yeah, if only to get him to like have a reason to find the the audio of me talking shit about him. <laughs> you like, want him to hear this? No. Oh, okay. Because <laughs> I actually like truly, I'm I'm really good friends with my dad. I'm just. I don't also, think he would be very upset I with you. Refuse to look like the the thing. Like my dad's a really sensitive guy. You know, <laughs> like it, it, in. It, I am too in that way, but like, you know, it's just like I could, t he, he takes it personally. You know, when, when he hears about cops, he thinks of his buddies yeah, yeah. and all cops mm. do that, you know, much yeah. in the same way that anybody thinks of their friends when they hear about something that has they to do with They think of the good ones. It's his yeah. life's job. Yeah. They yeah. think his, of the good ones. And they ones. think of excuses for the bad ones. You know, if you've never made a dumb excuse for your shitty friend in your life, totally. You know, but that having been said, it's not your job to protect and serve the public. They, they, That's a huge responsibility. Yeah. We're not putting enough emphasis on the weight of that responsibility. If you want to wear the badge, great. That's honorable. If you choose to respect it, you know what I mean? But like, fuck, you have to respect the weight of that. There's a lot of responsibility there. You go out with a loaded gun every day and your whole constituency depends on you to protect them and not hurt them, you know? And unfortunately, that's not the fucking case most of the time. Yeah. yeah. You and, know? If, and if you say things such as about the, about the George Floyd thing, you say, you you say oh that was terrible what happened but if you're the person who's doing that whatever you're saying after the but fucking forget that you know? do nothing arguments yeah go fuck yourself your mother sucks cocks in hell because um, you can't say a but at this point you got to say what are we going to do about it you know well on, on that note one of the things that I've heard talked about a little bit is the idea of um 
police being responsible for their uh, their actions through the um, the funding of their pension plans through their uh, union. So anytime a police officer does you know, commit one of these acts instead of the taxpayers being on the hook for all the civil suits and things like that. It would come out of the pension fund for all of the police. That would change which would, shit immediately. Which but, would yeah. then incentivize each cop to hold each other accountable because every time you kill someone and we get sued, then that, my pension gets reduced as that well. Paperwork's the That's American all you way. gotta do. Those okay, Sean, yeah. you start a Facebook group. Take their time or their money. Okay. And you've done your part. (laughs) No, honest to goodness, it's fucking take their time or their money. Those are the only things you can't get back, you know? And their uh, foreskin, if they're circumcised. So you can get that back. Also, that, but there's surgery for that. Oh, I guess you can get that back. Yeah. Is, can you? Yeah. There's a foreskin replacement. I kind of want mine. I kind of want mine back. I I do. Kind of want it back. I miss it. Wouldn't you not be Jewish anymore? I've it's heard a, it's, a, that, it's a very interesting philosophical I've heard question. That the dry rub experience entirely different mm. with the foreskin. Well, mm. the dry rub dry we're barbecue. Rub. I'm really hungry now. From my understanding, it's too late for you because the reason that it's better with the foreskin is because you have this sensitivity that is um, eroded over time. If you don't have that foreskin, oh, but if you get it added back oh, on, shoot. you don't get the coverage that it you comes need back. For the it comes back after That's a little okay. while. Mm-hmm. Okay. If you keep you, it, you've done research. Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. So we're gonna. How we're, much? How much money would, are we talk about here? You would be really interested in that. <laughs> We talking thousands of dollars or what? Like tens of thousands of dollars oh, for the thing like back 20, on? 20, 30 20 bucks? 30 bucks. <laughs> I got a guy. Oh, like, yeah. honestly, most Underground of, job. Most of the expenditure is in the crazy glue. Like, right. right. Yeah. It's <laughs> a lot of crazy glue. I got no, a guy. still. Oh, shit. We glued it to your thigh. Oh, fuck. Oh, God damn it. Oh. Listen, he's a former construction worker. He's got a really delicate hand. I, I trust him. Look, yeah. sorry, you're never going to want to get hard ever. Yeah, all right. Now That's going to be real yeah, painful. Let's call him in. Hey, Bronco. <laughs> Slippery Pete. <laughs> you know, that's just, it's a good nickname. It's a good nickname. Don't worry about that. Slippery Pete. <laughs> Slippery Pete. Uh, yeah, you had to be there. You had to be there. Either way, you're already, you're already on. You have to sleep. <laughs> so, Sean, uh, pro or anti-foreskin? <laughs> Um, you know, I, I'm not in favor of genital mutilation in general. Um, so anti, so you're pro anti force, you're anti foreskin. Well done. Politicians keep That's a beautiful accident. Indeed. Uh, be sure to check out all the shows on the podcast network. We've got literally literary politicking. What you just listened to? Text before calling. Going down on South Park and the illustrious celluloid uh, break. Down. Be sure to uh, head on over to the Patreon, patreon.com slash forecast. Uh, help us out, pay for some uh, uh, hosting and whatnot. You know, half of us are unemployed, so that would be helpful. Yeah. Um, Go yeah. to my Instagram at timothy.j.snow and uh, direct message me about buying this five foot art piece that I just did because it's really fucking big and I no. want it out of my living room. Oh, that's also, awesome. Can I have it? I'll have it. Y- you, do you have money? 
I want money for it. <laughs> I'm Tim, actually, I'm, Tim will also like. I'm halfway through. I'm about to tomorrow. I'm gonna finish a six and a half foot piece. Uh, so it's six and a half feet tall. Uh, oh god damn it! It's it's 78 inches by 42 inches. So 42 inches is. Can I get the bird one? Four to- feet. So it's four feet by six and a half feet tall. Tim sells his art by the pound. Four feet wide by six yeah. and a half feet tall. Tim's like, Tim's like, my art is about my depression and yeah. life. And I'm like, no. I like the bird. It's about my depression in life, but the size of my art is about me compensating for it. <laughs> That's awesome. Uh, no, I don't know. I've just been you doing should, really big ones lately, and I really hope somebody fucking buys you this You should shit. take screenshots on like iPhone 5s. Yeah. And then when people buy them, sell them the iPhone 5 with the screenshots. Well, preloaded. Yeah, preloaded. There you go. <laughs> preloaded. Yeah. On the SIM card and everything. Huh? On the SIM card and everything. Yeah. Yeah. Either way. Yeah. So, you know, anybody wants to give Art. money for that, that's cool. But also the Patreon and Fawcast. Pa- yeah. And yeah. Uh, Derek, what's your cash app? Uh, <laughs> yeah. Do I have 